Welcome to the Females on Fire podcast, where you'll get the tools you need to master your money, marketing, and your motivation. I'm your host, Haley Luckadoo, the money and marketing coach, motivational speaker, and huge Dr. Pepper lover who is on a mission to connect you with women who are incredible at what they do with the hope that you will leave inspired, educated, and motivated to create the life that sets your soul on fire. How would you like to get your client management system for a dollar a month? Well, I have a surprise for you. Whether you have been thinking about switching because you're frustrated with your old system or you really want to get more organized and you've never had a client management system before, now is the time because I have a limited time offer that you need to take advantage of. HoneyBook is my absolute favorite client management system and I feel like I have tried them all. I love using it for my business and it was such a game changer for me in terms of getting organized with my clients. HoneyBook is an amazing platform for you to handle your client contracts and invoices and take all of their payments, handle communication with your clients, manage your workflows and your pipelines, really keep up with all that information that you need for your clients, plus create gorgeous templates like brochures and proposals that you can send out to potential clients, track your leads, track your time, manage your calendar and your schedule, and so much more. HoneyBook really does it all. It's such an expansive platform that, like I said, I absolutely love using for my business. And for an extremely limited time, you can try out HoneyBook for $1 a month. Can you believe that? That's so crazy. All you have to do is use code Haley 26485 or click the link down below and you will get to use all of HoneyBook's incredible features for a dollar a month for the first eight months. That is such an amazing deal. So if you have been thinking about really getting organized with a client management system or getting a new one because you're frustrated with your old one, now is the time to try HoneyBook. But again, this is a very limited time offer. So you need to do it quickly. So again, head over to HoneyBook, use the link below or type in code H-A-Y-L-E-Y 26485 and you will get to try HoneyBook for a dollar a month for the first eight months. And finally, really be on track to having a client management system that works for you, not against you, and really being able to grow a productive business. Welcome back to this very special edition of Fire Fridays on Females on Fire. I am so excited. We hit 100 episodes this week. And I hope that you listened to the 100th episode because it was an amazing compilation of the biggest lessons learned in business this year from some of our previous guests. And they gave such amazing advice. It was such a great episode. I absolutely loved on Wednesday, my phone was just blowing up with people sharing the episode, talking about it, all of these past guests coming together 
to just celebrate 100 episodes. And that was so cool for me. So thank you to everybody that tuned in, that joined in the celebration on that. If you didn't, absolutely go listen to that episode because it's such good advice. But I wanted to continue this big celebratory week that we're having on the show with doing a really cool Fire Fridays edition for episode 101. So for the first time ever in 101 episodes in the history of this podcast, I am doing an Ask Me Anything episode. And I've seen them done, you know, a million other places, but just never did one, never really um, felt it was the right time. But I thought this was a perfect way to just kind of answer a lot of your questions that you guys have. And again, just do something a little different to celebrate that hundred episode mark. So I asked a lot of you on Instagram and Facebook and in the Facebook group, what questions you had for me that you wanted to have featured on this ask me anything episode. And I would answer those questions and it could have been anything, money, marketing, uh, business, social media, content, my marriage, you know, my history with business, podcasting. I mean, just literally anything at all. I was so game to answer it. And we got a lot of really amazing questions. So I don't know if I'll get through all of these today. I will try my best, but I'm really excited. I've kind of glanced over these and I'm really excited to answer some of these questions. You guys have really amazing questions. Um, some of them are very long, so I'll try to condense, but I'm excited to dive in. So I'm just going to jump right in. I'm going to get started. These are in no particular order, so I will try not to repeat myself too much. But first up, I'm going to take this one from Christy. And Christy said, what social media platform do you think is best right now? And how often do we actually need to be posting? So Chrissy, this is a really tough question because it highly depends on where your audience is actually hanging out. And I always hate giving that answer because I feel like most people then come up with the question, okay, well, how do I know where my audience is hanging out? And that's, uh, that's a good question, obviously. But I think you've got to decide for you what your end goal is. So do you want to build that customer interaction and build a relationship with a potential client before you try to sell to them? Do you hope that they see your ad or your post about your services and they instantly go, Ooh, that is exactly what I needed to hire. Let me go check this person out. And then they end up on your website and then they contact you that way you know, what do you want? What is your end goal? And when you come up with that end goal, then you need to think about the platforms and decide, okay, what platform is going to get me to that goal faster? So in my opinion, Instagram is the best social media platform for building relationships. So if you really want to build a relationship with your client or your potential client, which I highly recommend that you do, then I believe that Instagram is going to be the best place for that because they can read 
you're posting your feed. They get to see the sort of the behind the scenes of you on stories. You can get in their DMs and, and build a relationship that way. There's a lot of different avenues on Instagram for really building that connection. But if you kind of run a business that is very particular services and you work with a lot of clients and you're really just kind of hoping that the right clients see your stuff, end up on your website, and then they'll find out a lot of information about you that way. And then that potentially leads to an email conversation or uh, a, a call or something like that. Then Pinterest may be better for you. Um, you know, there, Facebook groups, there's, there's a different goal in mind with each social media platform. So I really recommend that you think about your goals and then focus on where your clients are hanging out. So if all of your clients come to you and say, Hey, we found you on Instagram, but you're not posting to Instagram and you're focusing on Pinterest, then that may not be the best thing in the world for you to be doing. Because if all of your clients are coming from Instagram, it's because that's where they are. That's where your clients are hanging out. So really try to dig into that a little more and start just by asking your current clients how they found out about you. If you don't have a question on your, you know, client intake form or uh, that contact form on your website, or you're not asking your clients, hey, how did you hear about me? How did you find me? Then that's your first mistake. So go ahead and dig into what, where, how your current clients found you and use that information to kind of find out where your people are and then really think about what your end goal is and choose your platform that way. Obviously, everybody wants to be super social media heavy on every platform, but I mean, let's face it, it's really just not possible to actually do really well on every single platform. So you really need to be focusing on the ones where your clients are and the ones that are gonna give you, you know, the best result that you want, that is the thing that you want. So I hope that answered your question a little better. Do, do, do. Next up, Kimberly says, I really want to start a podcast, but I feel like it's way too saturated. What are your thoughts on this? And how do you think someone with a new podcast can differentiate themselves from what is already out there? Ooh, Kimberly. Um, there are a ton of podcasts out there. That is true. But I don't, I wouldn't say that the market is saturated. Um, if you think about like Instagram, for example, right now, there are millions and millions and millions of users on Instagram every single day, but it does, it probably doesn't stop you from getting on Instagram. Um, any social media platform, you know, there's millions of people using it. It doesn't stop you from getting on and posting. So what is it about podcasting that you feel like is different? You know, what's, what's the hold, what's the thing holding you back? Um, because for me, you know, I look at podcasting and yeah, there's, there's so many podcasts out there, but they're all so different. Even if you just, you know, dive into the business category or the marketing category, on like Apple Podcasts, for example, it's just such a different twist, a different spin, a different perspective on business or on marketing or on entrepreneurship. So, I mean, you can dive into so many different facets of those categories, of those conversations. So I feel like 
there's kind of something else sort of holding you back. I feel like you're more worried maybe that you might not be able to come up with enough content for a podcast or that nobody would listen or so I, I don't think your real fear is that it's too saturated. Um, so I would highly recommend that you sit down and think about, okay, do I want to start a podcast? Because if the answer is yes, then you absolutely should do that. And it doesn't matter how saturated the market is. If you feel like you have an audience that's going to be willing to tune in because they love you and they love your perspective and they love your opinions and your advice and your tips, or they love your connections to guests that you bring on to give those things, then it, it literally does not matter how many other people are doing the thing that you're doing. None of them can do it the way that you do. So, you know, I, I started this podcast, we're coming up on two years ago. This is the 101st episode. And there's a million business podcasts out there. There's a million personal development podcasts out there. There's so many hosts that talk about money or marketing or like motivational things. And I'm, I'm just one in so many, but we have a lot of listeners on this show that I'm so grateful for. And it's simply because nobody has my personality. Nobody will ask my exact questions to these guests. Nobody will bring these guests on to talk about this very, they might bring them on to talk about a topic, but it's not going to be the very specific conversation that me and this guest are going to have. So don't worry about how many other podcasts are out there or if you're getting the same guests as another show or if you are covering some of the same topics or if you, uh, you know, don't think that you'll be able to come up with enough content or just sit down and dig into, okay, why do I want to start a podcast? What's my end goal for it? You know, is this something that I really want to do? Do I feel like I have an audience that would listen? And then just start to jot down ideas of, okay, where do I want this to go? What category do I want this to be in? What are, what are the kinds of things that I want to talk about? And if you can come up with answers to those questions, then you'll be fine. It doesn't matter. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call the podcasting market saturated. And I don't think that that's actually your fear. So I would really dig deep into that. See if it's something that you really want to start. And if it is, go for it. No excuses. Next up, Deandra or Deandra. I'm so sorry if I'm saying that wrong, if you're listening to this. Uh, Deandra says, I know I need to be posting a lot but I feel like I never have time to create content. How do you actually balance the business, client work, bookkeeping, et cetera, with creating and posting content? Okay, so the thing is, I, I hate when people say, I know I need to be posting a lot because I don't feel like you should just be posting content to post content. I don't feel like, you know, I hate when people say, oh, you need to post on Instagram at least once a day. I, or you need to blog at least once a week. I, I can't stand that because if you don't have anything to say, then you need to sit down and be quiet for a minute until you have something to say. Um, if you have a message to share or you have something that you want to teach or some sort of wisdom that you want to impart on somebody else, then you should post that and it shouldn't matter how many days it's been since you posted. 
So I hate this whole like, oh, I know I need to post a lot of content thing because I think you're coming from the wrong place. So start with what your message is instead of how many times a day you need to be posting or how many times a week you need to be posting. But as far as actually finding time to create content, because uh, I think that's kind of the meat of your question, here's what I would recommend. This is something I do. I've talked a lot about how I like time block my days. Um, and obviously that would be extremely helpful to you if you, if you work for yourself, you work from home, something like that, and you can time block your day and build in a little time for creating content. But what I do that I have found really, really helpful is when I make my to-do list in the mornings, I have three separate to-do lists for my day. So I have like an overall to-do list of every single thing that I need to get done. But every day I write down on a board in my office, the very specific things that I have to do that day. And on that board, I have three separate little categories. Number one is whatever main thing that I'm working on. So for example, this could be a big project that I'm working on. It could be a course that I'm building out. It could be a client day where my main thing that day is going to be coaching calls. It could be podcast interviews. If that's my main thing for the day, whatever my main thing is, that's one category. Um, and I, I put down every single to do that I have for that category. So if I have three coaching calls and a podcast interview, then I've got four things on that to do list. Then I have a content to-do list where I will list out just like one, two, maybe three things that absolutely have to get done today content-wise. And they're usually very, very simple things. So it's not like, you know, write a whole month's worth of blog posts. It's more like, you know, schedule out two Instagram posts or... Uh, write a couple captions for Instagram for this week or repurpose an old blog post, you know, into a new blog post or into a podcast episode or something like that. It's very simple stuff. And then my third to-do list is my other list. And that's things like in my marriage, cleaning my house, paying my bills, um, just, you know, things in my, my more personal life. Um, so I really recommend instead of doing a to-do list at the beginning of your day that's really overwhelming that you may not get to finish, break it up into these three categories and pull from each one all throughout the day. So once you check something off of your you know, main project to-do list, move over to your content to-do list and check something off of there and then move over to your personal to-do list and check something off there and keep alternating throughout the day because I feel like the reason this has really helped me is it keeps me from focusing too much on one area of my life. So it keeps me from focusing solely on client work, coaching calls, podcast interviews, and neglecting my social media or my blog or my, my content creation process, or, you know, focusing so much on the business and the content creation, but then forgetting to pay my bills or letting things in my personal life slip. It keeps you really balanced in these areas. So I highly recommend that you do that. I also recommend that you plan an actual content planning day. 
So the first Monday of every single month for me is completely blocked out on my calendar. I don't do coaching calls. I don't do interviews. I don't do anything except sit there and batch content. I'll batch blogs. I'll batch podcast episodes like solo shows. I'll batch Instagram content. I'll batch Pinterest. I'll batch everything. So having that one day every month, it just sort of helps me out if I'm like, coming up at the end of the month and I'm like, I don't have a lot of content. I really need to do something. I know I have a whole content creation day coming up that I get to work on that. So try those two things, the, the content to-do list that you pull from a little every day and the actual content batching day that you maybe schedule out once a month or something like that. I think that really, really helps. But also just going back to what I said originally, don't feel the pressure to follow somebody else's timeline with your posting. It is okay if you miss a day posting on Instagram. It's okay if you put out, you know, two blogs one week and none the next. And then, you know, you're consistent once a week for a while after that. Obviously, you want to be as consistent as possible, but, you know, give yourself some grace on the days or weeks that you're not. So I hope that helps. Next up. Oh my gosh. I do not think we are going to get through all of these. There's so many. Um, I'm going to do this one because it kind of goes along with what I just said a little bit. Kaya said, how do you actually repurpose content? I feel like I have no idea how to actually take a piece of content and turn it into more content. What am I doing wrong? Uh, Kaya, this is one of those things that's such a big learning curve. Like you have to do it so many times before you really start to understand what you're doing and get it right. Um, but I have an episode coming up on this in two weeks, three weeks, something like that, where it's a whole episode on literally how to repurpose content. So please look for that. Um, that's going to be way more detailed and way more helpful, but just to give you kind of something that's helpful today, focus on your bigger pieces of content. So do you have blog posts, podcast episodes, YouTube videos, you know, anything like that, that's a little more long form and then start with what platform you're actually going to be repurposing it for. So if you're repurposing for Instagram, then just go through and find, you know, if it's a podcast episode or a YouTube video, go through and find like little 30 second clips or one minute clips that like was sort of an aha moment or if it's a blog post and you're going to use it for a caption, you know, find two or three sentences that just, it's that light bulb moment, that aha moment, that really awesome tip that you gave or that somebody gave during that thing and turn that into an Instagram caption, turn that into a quote, uh, create like a little audiogram for your Instagram stories, you know, do something like that and go through and do that. Like, three, four, five, six times on one blog post, on one podcast episode. You don't actually have to take the entire piece of content. So let's say that you do a blog on the, you know, three new ways to uh, get a client this week or something like that. So you don't actually have to go write an Instagram caption about all three ways. Uh, that's not repurposing content necessarily. You want to break it down. So if you did three ways to get a new client, that should easily at best give you three new Instagram posts. And 
you could probably break it down further and end up doing like six new posts. Um, so I, I just try to break it down more, I think is what I'm trying to say. And I'm, I'm not really explaining this very well, I don't think, because it's just such a detailed answer to give. So I would really encourage you in two or three weeks to listen to this episode that we're doing on repurposing content. But I think the main thing is just, you are probably looking at it the way that I did when I started repurposing, which is you're looking at a whole blog post or a whole podcast episode and you're feeling really overwhelmed and you're like, how do I jam a whole blog post into one Instagram caption? And then, okay, that got me one Instagram caption, but now what? Like I, I used it so I don't have more repurposed content. Instead of doing that, you really need to break it down. So go like paragraph by paragraph through your blog or you know, minute by minute through your podcast and find those little, you know, tidbits, those little things that just really stick out. Like there's always something in a guest episode for when I do podcast episodes where I'm like, ah, that could be a quote card, like for sure. Um, there's always little things in my blog post that I'm like, those could have been bullet points. And maybe that'll be helpful to you if you, if you're doing more long form content like blogs or YouTube or podcasts, you know, before you do it, plan it out with some bullet points. And those bullet points are your repurposed content for Instagram, for Pinterest, for Facebook, for LinkedIn. Like use those bullet points sort of as your compass for where this, this new post is going to go. I hope that's helpful. I feel like it wasn't as helpful as I wanted it to be. So I'm sorry, but look for that episode in a couple weeks. I feel like it's going to help you a lot more. Mariana, Mariana, Mariana. I hope I'm saying this right. I'm so sorry if I'm butchering your name. Um, I feel like I'm going to keep doing that a lot. Mariana said, I've heard a lot that you need to show your face on your Instagram, but my business isn't really a brand. Like it's not about me. So should I really be posting stuff like that? I don't really have interesting things to share. So I think my followers will get bored. Um, okay, Mariana. So yes, you need to be showing your face. Um, I think that was the main question. Um, you, you need to show your face, um, especially on Instagram, but anywhere in your business. It, it doesn't matter what platform you're on. Um, it's not about your business trying to be a brand. That's not what it's about. Um, I understand if you're selling a service and you don't really feel like you necessarily have anything to do with the service or your face has nothing to do with the service, but we buy from people that we know, like, and trust. So if I have never, ever seen your face or I've never heard you say anything personal or tell your story or do anything at all, then I'm not going to buy from you because I don't know who you are. So I'm more than likely going to go find someone else who is sharing those things and that I do relate to, and I'm going to buy from them. The relatability factor is everything. If you're not relatable, you're not selling. Simple as that. If you are not relatable, you are not selling. So if you really want to find your people and you really want them to love you and just be like dying over the moon to work with you, then you've got to show your face and you've got to tell your story. And I'm not saying that every single Instagram post needs to be you talking about how you got into business or, you know, what your favorite color is or anything like that. 
but you've got to share something about you that is going to relate to your audience. So if you are a wedding planner and you're also married, you could sometimes maybe talk about what it was like for you, you know, being an engaged couple or what the wedding planning process was like for you. Or, I mean, just so many things. Like if you're, you know, a podcast editor, then you come up saying, you know, I remember when I started my podcast or, um, I, I understand what it's like to feel, you know, really swamped and overwhelmed. Here's a time that that happened to me. And that's why I got into podcast editing because I love taking things off podcasters, you know, plates. So find something that you have, and you made a comment that you don't really have interesting things to share. I think that is complete and utter BS. Everybody has something interesting to share. It's just whether or not it's interesting to the person that you're talking to. So find the things about you that are going to be interesting, that are going to be relatable to your ideal customers and then share those things and share them with your face. Okay. You've got to be relatable in order to sell, in order to build a business, in order to be successful. I don't care if you're building a brand or you're building an agency or you run a small business or you have a brick and mortar. I don't care if you are in business at all in any kind of way, then you are somewhat building a brand and you've got to put your face on that and put your story into it. And not that you have to do that all the time, but you've got to let your audience get to know you and be able to relate to you in order to successfully sell them on something. So the answer is yes, absolutely. Do, do, do. What's next? Sarah. Ooh, this is one about my marriage. I think that's awesome. Um, Sarah says, is your husband always supportive of the goals and things that you want to try in your business? And how do you navigate when you both disagree on something that you want to try in your business? Like if you want to make a big investment in something, but he doesn't think it will be worth it. Ooh, Sarah, we're digging into some stuff here. Um, so first of all, if I had to sum it up in a word, yes, Luke is always supportive of my goals, um, which unfortunately I don't think is helpful to your question because I imagine that if you're asking this, it's because you have someone in your life that you disagree with about some of the things in your business, or maybe they're not as supportive. Um, but yeah, Luke is always supportive. That does not mean that we agree on everything that I do in my business. And here's my thoughts on that. If you are running a business where you are paying yourself, which God knows, I really hope that everybody listening to this is paying themselves in their business. Otherwise we have deeper things to dig into. But if you are paying yourself and you are bringing in an income to your household that is substantially helping your household. In other words, if you are making enough money in your own pay from your business to suffice your family, to pay your bills, to do the things you want to do, to, you know, set money goals and actually reach them and all of those things, then if your spouse is not involved in your business, I don't believe that they necessarily get a say in what you do in your business. 
if it's not costing you money out of your household's pocket and you're paying for it out of the money that you reinvested into the business, they don't get a say. With that being said, I believe that marriage is a partnership. I believe that you two chose to go through life together. And if your business is a big part of your life, then it should be a big part of their life. So for me, I run everything in my business by Luke. And now granted, we're in a different situation because Luke is very involved in the Luckadoo media side of my business. But even if, if I want to join a mastermind, if I want to take a break from the podcast, if I want to change something in my coaching program, like I run it by Luke. And it's not that I need his permission because I don't. And if I really want to do it and I really think it's going to be good and it's not going to cost a lot of money out of our household money, out of our income, then you know, he doesn't get a say, but I run it by him to get his opinion. And I run it by him to see how he would feel about it. And to, to be able to talk it out with somebody, because that's, that's what your partner should be for, right? To have somebody that you can talk these things out with. The things that he's not supportive of, we have a really long conversation. And I think that's just it. If you're coming into a conversation going, well, I really want to do this thing and I don't care what you say about it, then I don't even know why you brought it up to your partner because you're not going to listen to anything that they say and take it to heart. So when Luke does disagree, we dig into that. And I'm like, why, why, why do you think it's a bad idea? Why do you not believe in it? And I share my opinion on the thing and he shares, shares his. And a lot of times one of us switches our opinion. One of us goes, Ooh, I didn't think of that. That's a good point. If you're in a place where you're not really paying yourself the money that you want to be paying yourself in your business, and so in order to make a big investment in your business, you would have to pull money from your family, then 110% your spouse should get a say in that. Um, that's their money too. You both work hard for it. Um, I'm assuming it's their money too. If you have joint bank accounts, I, I guess I shouldn't assume that. I'm sorry. But assuming that you have joint bank accounts, um, that it's both of your money and you worked hard for it and you've got to pay your bills and feed your family and do all of those things. So I do think they get a say. If your spouse shuts you down right off the bat and they are not supportive, then I feel like you guys need to sit down and have a conversation first about how you don't feel supported. You guys need to dig into that and work that problem out before you start asking them their opinion on this thing that you want to invest in. Yes, Luke and I had our fair share of of issues with that uh, in the beginning of our marriage. That's something that we had to sort of work through. And it was more about our different communication styles than it was him not supporting me because Luke has always been a massive supporter of my business, of my dreams, of my goals. And I'm very fortunate that he's that way. I know not everybody's spouse is. So yes, um, to answer your question, Sarah, Luke is super supportive. Uh, I am very fortunate in that way. If you have somebody who's not, dig into that first. Um, you know, don't, don't worry about talking to them about the big investment right now. Talk to them first about why they don't seem to ever support you, why they don't want to talk this out with you, why they don't believe in the vision that you have for your business, because that's the bigger problem. That's the root of the problem. And if you don't fix that, then you're never going to get them to see your side of anything that you want to invest in. So dig into that first. 
Oh, this is a long episode. Um, Alana says, I've heard you mention your time in college, but also heard you say that you don't have a college degree. Did you drop out to start your business and how did you actually get started? Do you feel like the way you did it helped you or hurt you in the long run? Oh, this could be a really long story, Alana. So I am not going to go too much into this, but, um, just to make it kind of short, uh, yes, I did go to college. I had always planned to go to college. I, I don't want to say that I didn't know what I wanted to do because I knew what I wanted to do. I just wanted to do 10 different things. I wanted to work for NASA. I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a dancer. I was really into criminal justice and started working with domestic violence victims. I wanted to teach dance for a while. I always kind of had a knack for entrepreneurship. I really loved science and physics. So I was, I just, I was all over the place. Um, which is funny because now my business has a lot of different moving parts and I think it stems from that. But basically my going into my last year of college, I was engaged to someone that I dated before Luke. We had been dating for about six years. I was engaged and um, he called off the wedding a month before our wedding, um, said he couldn't do it, said he didn't want to be together anymore. And right about that same time, I found out that I wouldn't be able to finish my last year of college because I was a full financial aid student. Part of my financial aid had been cut. Therefore, I could no longer afford to go to college. So literally within the same like two weeks time, I lost my relationship and the marriage that I was supposed to have in about a month. And I lost my entire plan for my future and any opportunity at a college degree, which I thought was what was going to get me a job. So my whole future went very dark, very fast. Um, I call that my rock bottom moment. I've talked a lot about that on when I guessed it on other podcasts. So, um, you know, I, you can definitely look back um, at my Instagram and things like that and find some of those where I've shared this whole story, the full story. But I basically, after a lot of, you know, whining and crying and the poor pitiful me, you know, what am I going to do kind of stuff? I ultimately said, okay, I've got to pay the bills. What do I do? And because I, I couldn't stand the thought of doing another retail job or waiting tables or doing anything like that and getting stuck in that life. So I knew I wanted more than that. And the only skill I felt like I had was that I had just planned a wedding. So I started planning weddings for friends, just hoping they'd pay me a little bit of money so that I could keep the lights on in my apartment and put some kind of food in my fridge. And they did, and they referred me and their mothers referred me and it turned into a whole wedding planning business. And I did that for three years before starting a second business. And then I ran both businesses for another two years. Um, and that second business is what transitioned into what is now Luckadoo Media and helped me build a coaching program and this podcast and start speaking and doing all of these different things that I do in my business. So yes, I did go to college. No, I did not get a college degree. Do I think it hurt me or helped me? I, whew, there's, there's really no way to know. I, mm, that's just really, that's really a hard question. I, I'm going to say that it helped me, but I, I wouldn't like recommend that that's how somebody gets started. You know, it's one of those things where I'm like, 
the things that I had to walk through to get here are what got me here. Um, they are what made me who I am. They are what built up that resilience that I have to be able to just sort of run head first into any risk in my business and not be afraid of it. Um, and that is what built the business that I currently have. But no, I don't recommend to anybody getting started that you get broken up with a month before your wedding and drop out of college to go start a business. I think you've got to decide what's right for you. And while you're deciding what's right for you, life is going to throw you a whole bunch of curveballs and you've just got to find a way to hit them out of the park. So, um, I do think it helped me. I do think it made me who I am and made this business into what it is, but I don't want to say that I think it helped me in terms of if I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't be successful. I'd just probably be doing something very, very different. My life would look very different. So yes, I think it got me here. No, I don't think it's helpful to me in terms of growing and scaling this business from where it is now. It's kind of, you know, you hear all the time, what got you here won't get you there. Um, the things that you've done to get where you are, that's great. They were helpful to get you there, but they're not going to get you where you want to go now. You've got to learn new things. So I think every single thing in your life helps you in some kind of way. Um, even the, the dark, tragic, terrible parts of your life that you want to, you know, shove in a book and close the book and just never talk about again. They, I'm, I, I'm hesitant to say that they help you because there's so many situations where people would, would come at me for saying that. But when I say they help you, I just mean, I believe that they change you in a way that makes you into the person that you're going to be. Um, I think that you can find something in everything and know that it doesn't make it okay for you to go through some horrible things that you may have been through, but it just builds you into who you are. And I think that's always helpful. I think you always get some kind of new value, moral, skill, um, trait, something out of everything that you go through that eventually builds you into the person that you are um, and the person that you're going to be. So yes, I do think it helped me. Um, but overall, I mean, obviously I don't like recommend that that's how somebody gets started in business. And that was sort of the very short version of my story. So sorry for that, but I'm running out of time. Um, okay. Courtney says you have a lot of different parts of your business. How did you realize that you wanted to do each of those different things? And how did you manage all the parts when you were trying to hustle on one thing to get it started? So Courtney, this kind of goes along with the story I was just telling about how I got started. Um, really everything that I've done in my business was me going, Ooh, I think I'd be good at that. Ooh, I think I'd like that. And then I tried it. Um, yes, I have Lucky Do Media. Yes, I have a coaching program. Yes, I'm a speaker. Uh, yes, I have the podcast. You know, I have courses. I do a lot of different things, but there's so many other things in addition to that that you don't see that I tried and I went, nope, this is not for me. And I dropped it. Um, I think so many people are worried about looking like a quitter that they want to stick with anything they started, even if they don't love it anymore. And I think so many people are focused on 
you know, being the best at this one thing that they never try anything else, even though they really want to. And I think it's your business. That means it's your way, um, your business, your way. You get to decide what you offer and who you offer it to and how often you offer it. You get to decide whether you drop something or keep it. You get to decide what you do in this business. So I just think you've got to be very specific about who it is that you're offering it to and who you're talking to. So if you want to offer two totally different things that have absolutely nothing to do with each other, maybe you should have two separate businesses for that and your marketing for those businesses are going to look very different. And then you've got to become the type of person that can successfully run two businesses. If you are wanting to start a podcast or offer a service or something like that, that goes along with the business that you already have. And it's something that your ideal clients would already love. Great. Add it. Why would you not? I I'm always pushing people to just start the thing and then you will figure out how to make it work. Um, I have had a lot of people tell me that that really cultivates burnout culture. I don't think it does. Um, I think you've got to be the type of person that knows your limits. You know what you can handle. So if you want to start something and right now you're so overwhelmed and you don't have time to start it and you genuinely cannot find the time to start the thing, then maybe now's not a good time. But it doesn't mean that you just never do it. It means that you find time later in the year or in a couple months or maybe next year to really get started. There are so many things that I plan to do or plan to start even just in the next couple of years that I don't have the capacity to do right now. I don't have a big enough team or I don't have enough money or I don't have the, I haven't built up the things that I want to build up yet to do these, these goals, but I have a plan for them. It's not that I'm putting them on the back burner saying, oh, I'm not going to do this right now because you know, I'm scared or because I don't have the money or whatever. It's not an excuse. It's, I actually have a plan. I'm saying, okay, in two years, I'm going to do this thing. And here's why it's going to take two years in a couple months. I'm going to start working on this thing, but here's why I'm waiting a couple months. So all in all, whatever you're thinking about adding or doing, get started as soon as you can. But if you can't get started now, that's okay. You just need to have an actual tangible plan for why you can't get started now and when you're going to get started and how you're going to get there. Don't just say, oh, well, I'll start it next year and then not have a plan for like, why next year? What's going to be different about next year where you can do it that you can't just start right now. You've got to put a plan in place for how you're really going to make things happen. So I hope that's helpful. One more, and this will be the last question. Dakota asked, everyone I follow talks about mindset being the biggest part of being successful, but how do I actually make myself believe something? For example, I have heard you talk on a past episode about how you can block yourself from hitting a goal because you never really believed you could hit it to begin with. But if I never hit it before, and I think I might not do it, how do I actually convince myself that I can do it so that I'm not blocking myself? I guess I just don't understand the mindset stuff. Dakota, Dakota, oh my gosh. Um, this could be a whole episode and now I'm really glad I saved it for last. Here's my thing. Mindset is the single hardest thing that you will ever work on. 
It is the single hardest thing that you will ever overcome. It is the biggest part of your business in terms that you will constantly have to keep working on your mindset. All those people that you follow that seem like they have mastered their mindset, they have not. They have just leveled up on their mindset over and over and over again, and they're still working on it constantly. I literally have to work on my mindset every day, and I catch myself constantly falling into those old traps and habits and having to re-break them. So mindset is not something that you're ever just going to suddenly feel like you have this massive handle on. There's always going to be something new, some new part of it that you're having to overcome. With that being said, I have said this before, and this may be the thing you're referring to in a past episode. So I'm sorry if this is repetitive, but I, I literally tell you guys all the time, limited mindsets create limited results. If you have a limited mindset for what you are capable of, then you are going to have limited results of what you actually are able to do. If you've never done it, okay, I don't know why that's making you think that it's not possible. I, I've had this song on my playlist recently that I've been listening to a lot and it's becoming kind of a favorite of mine. Uh, and it's, it's maybe a little bit cheesy, but I don't care. I really like it. Um, it's a song by Emerson drive and it's called footprints on the moon. Um, and there, the main line in the song is don't tell me the sky is the limit when there's footprints on the moon. And I really, really love that line. And I think it applies so much here. You have got to stop thinking that something's not possible for you just because it's not possible. Um, Yes, you are blocking yourself from something by, by not believing in it. And I know, I know that is the hardest thing in the world because I was, I was there. I was a skeptic. I was the person that was like, mindset, nobody needs that. Um, that's not a real thing. That's not something I actually have to work on. That's, you know, not whatever. I was that person 110%. And I know now mindset is literally the hardest thing that I have had to work on in my business because choosing to believe in something that you have never done before and choosing to believe that you actually have the potential and the capability to make it happen is really, really hard for some people. I always believed in myself, but I didn't necessarily believe in everybody else. So I believed in myself to be able to build something amazing but I didn't necessarily believe in everybody else to come buy the thing or come sign up for the thing. So I get it. I really do. And I don't know that I can really give you the most amazing advice in the world in two minutes time, but you really have to focus on getting over that hurdle that things aren't possible for you. And In my opinion, if I sat down with you and we really dug into that, I am betting that you're thinking of a very specific goal that you have that you don't believe that you can hit it. And if you don't believe that you can hit it, I guarantee you that there is a deeper reason for why you don't believe that it's possible for you. Something from your childhood, something from your past, some belief that you have deeply rooted inside of you that is keeping you from believing this thing is possible. So for example, 
Um, I talked recently on the show about money blocks where you can actually limit your own income. You can keep yourself from making money because you genuinely believe you will never be able to make a certain amount of money. And when you dig into it, maybe it's because you actually grew up poor and you just think that you're always going to be poor. Um, so you've got to dig into what is actually the root of why I believe this isn't possible for me. Is it because I don't currently have the following that I need? Okay, well, you can get more followers. Is it because, you know, I've always been poor, so I don't think I'm ever going to be able to have that much money? Well, your past doesn't dictate your future. Um, what you've always been is not what you always will be. You just have to be the thing that changes it. Um, people are constantly, you know, stopping those generational things from their family and saying, no, it, it stops with me. The line ends here. I'm going to be different. I'm going to do something different. So just dig into whatever that goal is that you're obviously thinking of that you think, I can't force myself to believe it because I just don't believe it. I don't believe that I'm going to be able to do it. You've got to dig in to, okay, what is the root? What is the thing that's making me believe this isn't possible? And I would encourage you to go find people that have done that thing. So if it's hitting six figures, surround yourself with people who have already hit six figures. If it's building a really successful business, follow a ton of people on Instagram who have already done that, who have built a successful business. If it's hitting a certain, you know, fitness goal, then find people who have done that thing. Whatever your goal is, surround yourself with people who have done that thing. And I know that brings up the question like, but why would I want to surround myself with my competition? They're not your competition because you're not even in the game. You're not racing. You're not doing the thing. They're playing. They're competing. I don't think it's competition. I shouldn't say competing, but they're playing the game and you're not. You're sitting on the bleachers watching and going, oh, I wish I could play. Go play. Like get on the field, get in the game, try it. You really might be surprised. And I think if you're surrounding yourself with, with people that have already done the thing that you're trying to do, they're going to become your mentors. They're going to even if they're not trying to, they're going to be giving you advice and wisdom and tips that you need to actually push forward and succeed. So I would stop focusing so much on, well, I don't believe it, therefore I can't do it, and start digging into why you don't believe it and what you need to do to start seeing that it, start seeing that it's possible. Like I said, I could dig into this all day. It could be a whole episode on its own. So I really really hope that's helpful. But Dakota, if that just did not help you in the slightest, please like DM me on Instagram or something. And we will have like a whole conversation about this. I'm telling you, we'll dig into it. But that is it. I went like way over on time for this, but I really wanted to answer all of your questions. I'm so excited that we got to do this and hope that it was really helpful to you guys that ask the questions, but also to you guys listening who maybe didn't get to get a question in or somebody asked something that is similar to what you are needing to hear today. So I hope that this was helpful. Thank you so, 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 so much for tuning in and for celebrating this, this big week of hitting hundred episodes with me. This was such a fun week. I'm so excited to just keep moving forward with this podcast and 
We've got some great guests, great episodes, just great advice lined up for the next couple of weeks and months. And I'm so excited to just keep bringing it to you guys as we get into the hundreds on these episodes. So thank you again so much for tuning in and for all of your support. Have an absolutely amazing weekend as we kick off August and I will see you guys, tune in with you guys next week when we have a brand new episode of the show on Wednesday. That's it for this time. Don't forget to head over to the show notes at femalesonfirepodcast.com to grab bonus content from our guests, support the show, or grab your Females on Fire swag. If you loved this episode, give us a quick shout out on Instagram by tagging at Females on Fire. And don't forget to tune in every Wednesday for a brand new episode to keep you fired up for those big dreams.